I am, boys. And again, like I said, saying things over and over again. Like you get a prize at the end for the most words that you use or if you pray the loudest or you pray the longest prayer. So, yeah, I was that guy. I was not the guy that prayed all the time like like that, but I was that guy that wanted to pull my hair out or stick knitting needles in my ears so I wouldn't have to hear it anymore. So, yeah, I got a, had a little maturing to do, but I think we've been in situations where we've, we've experienced that. And I survived it, struggled for a long time with these group sessions of prayer. But as I read this section too, I don't want you to get the idea that Jesus is against public prayer, because he's not. Jesus prayed publicly. But Jesus is saying what he's speaking out against is don't pray in such a way that you're trying to get everybody to see you. Just repeating words over and trying to get people to take notice of how good a prayer you are. In fact, in 1 Kings 18, if you remember this story, this is the story where Elijah challenges all the prophets of Baal. And he says, okay, get all your prophets together and and they have this competition. And so you, he's saying, you go, you speak to all your you prophets of Baal, speak to Baal. See if he'll come down and, and light, these, light that pile of wood and that bowl on, on fire and burn it up. Well, they all day long, that's all they do is just babble and babble and yell out and scream and do all kinds of things. There's just no response. And so Elijah gets up there and even dumps water on, on his pile of wood. And he just speaks once and God answers and poof, everything goes into flames and even the prophets of Baal are consumed. That's what Jesus is saying. It's like, you don't need to keep going over and over again. Just, just pray to me. Now the second reason I bring this up is that I grew up in a church where every week this was a a prayer, the Lord's Prayer was something that we said over and over again every week, even through the week we would say this prayer or ask to say this prayer over and over again the people of the church service you'd get the same people too like they would, and as a little kid think I'm a little kid now, I'm watching these people and they'd stand up and they'd start saying the Lord's Prayer like, almost like they were in pain and I'm going I, I have friends to be seen looking how spiritual they were. And this prayer really, it just became meaningless. It was just a prayer that I memorized it, and then when it was time to say it, I would just get up and say it, and it, it wasn't a prayer anymore. It was just simply words. But then there was some point in my life when I grew up, but I also some I heard or listened or saw something happen inside of me, and there was a person or a book I read where this person he talked about this, the Lord's Prayer, and he broke it down in such a way that that this was like, this is how you pray. This is a guideline to pray. To, that these, these are words given to us to, 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 to pray, but there's a lot of meaning behind it. So these words, they no longer were just these meaningless words that I said on Sunday. They actually just, they changed my life of prayer. So now let's look at these words we're going to talk about. We're going to look at this section. And most, most everybody will, will know these words out of Matthew 6. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Does anybody have those similar stories growing up? Just kind of hating that prayer time. Maybe you've even been wondering, are these 
this is this is this just words I'm supposed to say? Do I just repeat these words? Do I just memorize them and, and repeat them? Or is this a way to pray? Or is this a guide? Maybe you're going to maybe is there some secret formula that I need to pray, and maybe this is what Jesus is giving us. And I think the beauty of these words of Jesus is that that they it is a prayer. You can pray it as a prayer if you have the meaning behind it. But it's so much more than that. Because Jesus does give us a guide of how to pray. And so let's start looking at, at these verses. Now the difference between Matthew and Luke is how they begin the section. Luke uses the words of what you should say. Matthew uses the words of how you should pray. Now, I'm, I'm, that's kind of why I say it's a prayer and a guide. Because we see those differences in words. But God wants us to develop this deep, intimate relationship with us. And through prayer, that's how we talk to God. We, we don't pray just like I talked about, so others can hear us, so others can see us. We're praying so we're, we're having this communication with God. The first thing of this prayer is that we're praising God. So we praise God. And Jesus starts, he starts these outs with these words with, Our Father in heaven. He doesn't say any father. He's saying our father. He's saying our father as in the father of Jesus, who is God, but he's also our father also. Our father in heaven. That's who we're talking to when we pray. When we read those words, just those words, our father in heaven. Like for me, and when I kind of got grasped and I grew up a little bit, like I got this sense of calmness, this sense of my heart when I just really reflect on what actually who I'm praying to and I I get this image of in my head of a child sitting on a lap of their dad now we we can think of pictures that we've seen maybe movies we've seen experiences that we've seen but think of think of like a dad sitting in a chair and the child walks in and the dad just welcomes them with open arms and the child just runs to them as fast as they can jumping on their lap and then that child is held with such love by their father as they sit on the lap. And that child is telling the father just everything about their day. And that child is telling the father, like, how much I love them. How much I love you. How great their dad is. Their dad is the best dad ever. And their dad is just grinning with joy. And he's loving their child more and more and more. So maybe I'm a little bit of a romantic after all. I'm not just some gruffy guy. Am I alone in that image? Isn't that just a Im- great image of God? Just words that are just drawing us closer to God. And then Jesus adds the words, hallowed be your name. And hallowed isn't a word we use anymore. I don't think other than praying this prayer up here right now, I've ever used the word hallowed before. But when someone or something is hallow- hallowed, we view it as holy, as sacred. When Moses, if you remember the story of the burning bush, that's what God said. He goes, don't come any farther. Take your sandals off because this is holy ground. This, this word hallowed is, you know, that God is holy. God is sacred. We need to treat God with respect. And then we need to honor God's name. And as we kind of put this whole phrase together, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're bringing, you're, as we begin to pray that you're praising God, 
and giving God the glory for everything in your life. You're praying with a thankful heart. Just pray, pray as if you're actually in God's presence. You're, you're like that little child sitting on his lap. But you are in his presence and you're praying. You put all your wants, all those asks aside and focus on God. Focus on even that image I said of that child sitting on their father's lap and their father wanting to hear and listen to everything we have to say to them. Because God does. He's listening to everything we have to say. And we're saying how great our father is, how much we love him, that he's the best father ever. Because he is. God is. We're praising God, being in the presence of God. We're thanking God for everything in our life, honoring him, for being loving, for being caring, also for being a just God, for being our father. And we become just absorbed in God's presence. And when we begin to pray the Lord's Prayer in this fashion, our Father, hallowed be your name, that we just become so engrossed in God, that we're just in his presence, that we might even find it hard to continue on in prayer because we're just kind of in that, being in God's presence. That we, time goes by, you'll, you'll be amazed how much time can just spend in that. But then Jesus gives us these next words. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That plans are God's plans. I'm sure most of us or all of us like me, like I I have a lot of plans. Got a lot of really good plans. Plans that I think are very good plans. Plans that I think probably are going to solve all of your problems and all of my problems. Plans that if you guys would just listen to me, it, it probably everything would be perfect. Plans that are probably different than your plans, but you probably are thinking the same thing, that your plans are better than my plans. But the reality is that plans, sometimes they don't work. They don't work the way as I plan them. And sometimes plans that I have aren't always the best things for me. And sometimes those plans aren't what the plans that God has for Jesus is saying here, pray for God's plans to happen. Not our plans. Not our desires. That we pray for God's kingdom to come. We pray for the kingdom of God to grow, not for my kingdom to grow, but for God's kingdom. We pray for, pray more and more for people to find life by actually losing their life for Jesus. We pray for the perfect that's in heaven to come to earth. Now, after Jesus was baptized, we see these words in Mark 1, 14 through 15. It says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And then in Luke 17, verses 20 to 21, Jesus also says these words. Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will be will people say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is in your midst Jesus came to work Jesus came and he brought this kingdom of God to us and we need we're praying more and more and more for people to come into this kingdom of God praying that those will proclaim Jesus as their Lord and Savior and that this number will grow daily praying that people find Jesus that they're surrendering their life to Jesus that they're going to enter into this kingdom of God and 
this rain is here and it's it's really this is for eternity so what if part of this of god's will is something that i don't think i can do i can't do that i'm praying for god's will to be done but i just don't think i'm capable of doing it i don't have the skills i don't have the ability or maybe there's someone else in my life that's saying that that you should do that that it's it, but it's something different than what i'm currently doing but you're feeling that what you are doing, that that really is God's will. So you have these other people over here influencing you, and you have to stand up for that. Do I not do it because I don't want to do it? It's, it's too hard, right? Like I said, I don't have the skills to do it. And, and I stop doing what I'm doing because someone else thinks that they know God's will, and, and they feel that I'm, I need to be doing this instead of what I'm doing, which that's God's will. But I'm maybe not doing God's will. Maybe you're in this going, you know what, I can't do this. Let someone else do it. Or just expect God because it is God's. Can you let God just perform miracles? And let God just do something that I really need to be doing. Because really there's an active part in this God's will too. And I make excuses. I say, I'm just too busy. I will do it. I'll just do it tomorrow. Let someone else do it. Now this week, I was talking to a friend of mine and and we're discussing this exact subject, these kind of these questions that I'm just talking about, about God's will. And this person is feeling like they're, the situation they're in, like people are telling them that, that you know, just be, do God's will, and everything will be okay, and, and just, just like giving them this advice and just, just, just hope that God will do it, just kind of like be passive in this whole thing. And people, they're not familiar with the situation, they're not living in the situation. They're just giving advice because based on what they really want and what they kind of want for this person. And perhaps they're wanting this person to get, follow their will, not God's will. Saying, you'll just be fine. You'll be fine. Just, just, this, just this sense of God's will. But my friend is saying that what they're asking him, them to do is just kind of sit back and let God do, do what God does. but And they're saying, just, you know, why don't you just come home from this, this ugly situation that you're in right now, and, and, and God's will will just be done. Just, it'll be done. You don't need to be there anymore. And you don't need to go through this. And kind of saying, just take care of yourself. And again, I say, maybe that's their will, that's not God's will. And the person that my friend is there is doing God's will, because that's what they're but my friend was like, no, I need to have, and I'm going to say this, is stubborn faith. And the stubborn faith, what I mean by that is that I'm going to do whatever I need to do that is God's will, that whatever God is asking me to do, to take this active role in what God has laid out for me, for God's will to be done. That they, and even myself, and all of us, that, that we need to let God lead us in that, that we need God to guide us. And sometimes it means that God is going to give me a shovel and scoop up whatever smelly stuff I need to scoop up because that's what God's will is. And even if that's uncomfortable, even if it's not pleasant for me. Now to kind of give this some meat of what I'm talking about here is I want us to think when right before Jesus was crucified in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying to his Father. 
praying to the Father, and this, these are the words we see in Matthew 26, 39. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus is calling out to his Father, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, praying that God's kingdom will come, that his will will be done, now, Jesus was human, so he's experiencing those emotions that we are. And he knew what he was going to face. He knew he was facing this horrible death on the cross. And Jesus is praying for his Father's will, God's will to be done. Knowing that that shovel that Jesus was going to be handed, that shovel that he was going to be was the cross that was gonna, he was going to carry to his death. I'm saying we're praying for God's will to be done. Even if it means something I don't really want to do. It's not that pleasant for me to do. But first we're just absorbed in God's presence. We're praising God. And we're moving to this posture of saying, God, show me what it is you need from me to do your will. Show me what it is. Praying for people to enter the kingdom of God. Praying for those that haven't entered the kingdom that Jesus will be revealed to them and they become part of the kingdom. Now the next thing that Jesus teaches us is, is provisions from God. He says, give us our daily bread. This is the part of prayer that I think we're, we, the way we need to talk about this, because we're pretty good at this, right? Like this is usually when we start to pray, like we jump right to this. We spend most of our time of this, this, this prayer, praying for what we want. Praying for our wants. Or should I be praying for my needs? Because there's kind of there's a difference in those two words. But before we kind of look get an answer for this, I want us to look at a couple verses. Proverbs thirty eight through nine says, "Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God." Give me neither poverty or riches. But if I have too much, if I have everything I want, why forget about God? I'm not honoring Him, not praising His name. Then if I have too little, I don't even have what I need, then I steal and I'm dishonoring God's name. So I'm violating that first part of the prayer of hallowed be your name. Now look at John 14, 13 through 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So when I'm asking, I'm asking in God's name. I'm asking in God's nature, that, that God's going to get all the glory in this. I like that prayer, that God's, God's will will be done. That we're praying for God's provision in our lives. We're praying for this provision. It's not more than I need. It's not less than I need. It's exactly what I need. And what I need, it's bringing glory to God. It's bringing glory to Jesus. In fact, in Exodus, if you another story, if you remember, the Israelites are wandering around in the wilderness. They're grumbling for food. God gives them their daily needs. He gives them manna. So they get up in the morning, collect all the manna they need for the day. But if they collect more than they need, than more than they're supposed to collect, well, the next morning it's rotted and it's full of worms. They can't eat it. 
God providing for them. God, the Israelites found themselves dependent on God, dependent every day. Jesus is saying you need to be dependent on God every day. Not dependent on yourself. Depend on God to provide for your daily needs. Not more than we need, but not less than we need, because God knows exactly what we need. And as we're praying, we're praising God. We're honoring God's name, praying for God's will to happen, not my will. Praying and asking God to provide for us. Trusting that God knows what we need and He's going to provide it. And then Jesus gives us this a prayer for forgiveness. So this position of forgiveness. And Jesus says, these are the words, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now, what I'm doing is I'm bringing the list of my sins to God. Asking for forgiveness. Some days that's a pretty long list. And it's going to take a while. Like Friday night. And I go to climb into my bed. My wife is gone. And, my, and so I'm having to take care of all my daughter's gone. So I've got an extra dog at my house that wants to sleep on my bed and is on my bed all the time. And I go to climb into bed and I discover that the dog came out of my bed. Oh, is right. We had some sins that night. This part, like most of us, we can accept this, right? We can accept this idea of, of asking for forgiveness. We can go to God and ask for the things that, that, that I'm, I'm, I've done wrong. Like we can, we can confess those and acknowledge that I'm not perfect, that I have faults, and that I'm sinful. But that second part is really kind of what gets us, is that Jesus is telling me to forgive others that have sinned against me. In fact, the words that he uses is he says, I have. I have. I've already done it. So there's a story again, Matthew 18, a little later in, in this, 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 this Gospel of Matthew that uh, tells a story. Some of you guys don't remember the story. I'm just going to paraphrase it. But Peter asked Jesus, he says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody? And Jesus answered, 77 times. So really what Jesus is saying is many times as you need to, you forgive someone. And then Jesus tells a story, which he always does. So there's this king that's given a bunch of loans to people, and they have a bunch of debts. They're indebted to the king. So he starts with the man that owns him about the most money, and this tremendous amount of money. And the guy comes in, and the king wants his money, and the guy says, I, I don't have the money. And so the king says, fine, then sell him, sell your wife, and sell, sell his kids, sell everything he has to pay off this debt. Well, the man falls to his knees before the king, and he starts praying. He's begging for mercy from the king. The king gives him mercy actually cancels the man's debts, cancels them and lets them go. Kind of sounds like forgive us our debts. That's the easy part, like I said. It's, it's, we're usually, we're good. We can ask for mercy. We can ask for forgiveness. But then this man that has just had his loan forgiven goes out and finds one of his servants that owes him money. And that, it's not even that much money. And so then this guy is like, wanting his money and the guy that doesn't have the money again the, the, the servant of this man he falls to his knees and he's begging this man to forgive him begging, same way he begged to forgive the king uh, to the king and this man doesn't forgive this man this man says nope have this man thrown in prison until he can pay for his debt well it must be a small town because the king hears about this so the king hears, brings, calls this man back in, and he asks the man, he goes, 
why didn't you forgive this man like I forgave you? I forgave you this huge amount of money, and, and why didn't you forgive him? The man doesn't really have an answer. And the king now throws the man in prison and to be tortured until he pays off his original debt. And then we see these words of Jesus. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. That's that agony also have forgiven our debtors. Maybe we could say it this way. Don't expect God to listen to your prayer of forgiveness till you forgive your brother or sister. Because forgiveness is given. And forgiveness is received. And forgiveness is given to others and we'll then receive that forgiveness. Because our sins have been forgiven. Jesus took care of that on the cross. We've all been we've all been given this forgiveness should also give this forgiveness to one another. So we're praying this prayer. We're praising God. We're honoring God's name. Praying for God's will. That it's God's will. That it's being, being willing to do God's will. Praying for God's provision daily. Praying for our daily needs. And we're dependent on God daily. And we're forgiving each other. And we're asking for forgiveness. And then Jesus finishes it by telling us protection found in God he ends with these words and lead us not in temptation but deliver us from the evil one I want to look at James 1 13 through 15 it says when tempted no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed then after desire is conceived each gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. He's telling us God's not tempting us. That we have this sinful nature. And there's the enemy running around. He's present. He's here. He's trying to drag us away from God. And as this passage of, of James says, that there's this, this thing called sin, that we give birth to this sin, and it's actually going to grow to death. Now, I might be an overprotective parent when my kids were little um, while growing up, and maybe they say I was a bad parent, but I wouldn't let them play with Pokemon cards and things like that. And the reason why, let me tell you the reason why before you judge me. Don't judge me. I know, I've got good reasons. So I read somewhere that, or listened or heard something that this guy was talking about how he started with Pokemon cards, and it led to the occult and devil worship and just got darker and darker as this guy's life went on. And so I was convinced that my children, if they were exposed to this, that they would follow that same dark path. And so I was just trying to protect them and didn't want them to fall away from God. And that this these cards would, they'd give birth to this darkness and it would just keep leading them into the same lifestyle as this guy was delivered from. Now, just to show I'm not crazy, I actually do have a relative that went down this course. So I'm not completely crazy. But to this day, my children think that they're abused. You can ask them after service. They're right over there. And they, I hear about it every year. I hear about it. But Jesus is saying, put your trust in God. Pray that when those temptations, when those tests, that they come into our lives, that, that God will deliver us from the evil one. He's going to deliver us from the enemy. Deliver us from Satan. That we trust God, that God does know best. 
And that we pray that we're going to follow God out of this temptation and be delivered from the enemy. Like me, not trusting me so much and this overprotective dad, not letting his children be tempted to go further down all these Pokemon cards. Now Stan, one of the best lines Stan has ever said to me is that he said, you know, the devil is a really good devil. Any of you visiting? He's really good at his job. And we may feel at times like this temptation we're in, like it's just too big. I can't resist this. I can't even, I don't even know a way out of this situation that I'm in right now. So I'm going to read these words out of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And these should give us comfort. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Because those trials, those temptations, they're going to come. And Jesus, who is human, being on the earth, he knew everything that we're going to go through. He's experienced all of those things. But knowing that, and with this verse, we can have this confidence that whatever life throws at us, whatever the enemy throws at us, we can endure it. So I want to wrap up today. Lord's Prayer is a prayer that we can pray this as itself. We can actually pray these words, but we pray this and we pause to reflect on what, what did these words are actually saying to us. But we can also pray this prayer as a guide. And either way, we're finding ourselves, we're praising God, we're thanking God for just being a loving, caring, just God. We're honoring the name of God. Praying that our lives we're living life according to God's will, not our own. And that we're willing to act, to, to do God's will. We're willing to do what God asks us to do. But again, it's not what I want to do. It's God's will, not my will. Praying for God to provide for us. Praying for our needs. Praying for our daily, our daily needs. Sometimes we get more than we think. Sometimes we get less than we think. But it's always what God knows we need. Not always what we want, but what we need. We pray for forgiveness for ourselves. We're praying for forgiveness for others. We're giving forgiveness for others that have wronged us. And finally, we're praying for this protection. We're praying for this endurance. Pray that we see God's ways. That, that it says that he'll find it. He'll give us a way out. That he, it's nothing more than we can bear. That we see that, and then we're able to endure that. And we're facing that all. God's rule to the end. And as this is, this we're praying this, we're growing closer and closer to God. Actually, I think of the word refined. We're just being refined. He's getting all that out of us. That when we pray the Lord's Prayer, that we, our posture even in prayer just changes. That our heart, our focus, our peace just increases inside of us because God is getting bigger and bigger in our life. Some of us in this, what I just covered today, many of us, you knew that. You, you, you've probably known this. Maybe you've heard someone say this before. I don't go through, break this prayer down. Some of you, this is new. But Jesus gave us these words of how to pray. Imagine if we let these words, this simple prayer, these few verses just come alive in us. And they're not just words anymore. They're not just those words we memorized when we're young. 
those words that were just meaningless. But these words aren't meaningless. But these words of how to pray, and we pray this, this way that Jesus taught us, and that we make these words come alive in us, come alive in our lives, that we're making us more alive in God, and that God is becoming more and more alive in our lives as we walk with Jesus. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for your words. I just thank you for this prayer that we can pray and grow closer to you. And we can honor your name. We can honor you. And that, that just that image of, like I said, of a child sitting in their father's lap all about their day, telling them how much they love their, their father. And you are a you are a father that is so loving, so caring, and you're just also, Lord, you're fair. And I, I pray that we can begin to start praying this this prayer with new life, with new meaning. And we just our lives are just drawn closer and closer to you every day. That this prayer does just become alive in us. Side of us, Lord, that, that this life with you, this life with Jesus, Lord, that it just becomes more and more vibrant, that we just are alive. That whatever the struggles are in life, Lord, that face us, Lord, that we're doing your will and, and we are, we're alive. We're alive with that peace, that joy, that love, that caring, Lord, that, that you have for us. Will you stand with us, please? We're just finishing a short song here.